Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Hey, we are back on the mic again. If you're watching live, you know that we haven't left. If you're listening in your podcast app, it is possibly a day later or two days later, whenever Okada gets this out. But we are recording all of this, all of our free agency coverage in one evening. So guys, let's skip our intro. We know it's Okada's birthday. We know John is on his ninth Guinness <laughs> of the podcast. Second, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> well, your takes would suggest otherwise. Second team. Hey, 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 hey. And we're going to get right back into our free agency coverage. We talked a lot about our quarterbacks on the last episode. So if you missed it, go back and please check that out. Let's talk about a running back who is on the move. Jordan Howard signs a two-year deal worth just north of $10 million with the Miami Dolphins. And Okada, we chatted with Nate Hamilton, good friend of the show, a couple episodes ago back in January about Jordan Howard's dynasty value. I mean, he goes to a situation where there is no one on the depth chart. Literally no one on the depth chart that you should be worried about. Jordan Howard, is he a starting running back come week one in the NFL? Uh, yes, he's a starting running back in the NFL. Um, maybe the the bigger question is he is starting running back in your fantasy lineup. And I don't hate it. He's not an RB1. He may not be an RB2. But I think he's probably going to be a somewhat consistent flex. The way we're seeing the Dolphins build their team right now, and they are being aggressive so in free agency. So Holy good. So good. mackerel. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's been amazing to watch. And this is all... Aside from the fact that they have the most picks in the draft, including three in the first round. So we could see we could see the Dolphins challenging the Bills and the Patriots. This could be a suddenly one of the best divisions in the NFL. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen really that quick. But the point is that the way they're building their team is strong defense. Yep. And now they went out and got Jordan Howard. And that plays well with that game plan. The Brian Flores game plan, who comes from a defensive background, is... We're going to play good defense, and we're going to try to run the ball with a guy that we know can tote the rock 250 times and be a reliable guy and score touchdowns. And that that's good for Jordan Howard. Um, and like you said, Betts, there's not a lot of competition. That means more carries for him. I really wish he could get involved in the passing game. So that's, you know, that's he's Jordan Howard. He can't catch the ball. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. Um, and it will certainly depend on what they do, obviously, at quarterback probably in the draft because if they get a guy we all love like a Tua that's that's gonna be nice if they for some reason miss that or trade out of it and they ended up you know with a Jordan Love or completely punked for this season on, on quarterback that is not gonna help Jordan Howard's value he needs his team to be competitive at least a little bit uh to have a chance so Hopefully they do that, and if they do, I think he's probably a top 30 running back in fantasy. So here's the deal about Jordan Howard. He, this whole offseason for Miami, what they've done in the last couple days, how aggressive they've been on defense, I love it. Good job. Fantastic. It's less that you need to address come the draft. What's so great is that they address so many needs on defense and they've got three first-round picks, they are absolutely poised as the best team to move up and take Tua. With the draft capital that they left themselves to do, 
you went out and you took care of defense. You signed a good veteran running back. You can go get Tua in the first. It might take two of your first, hopefully not all three, to move up and get that deal done to take Tua. And then you can still take another running back in the draft because they're going to need more than Jordan Howard and Kalen Garbage in that backfield. <laughs> um, also known as Kalen Balage. Yes, Garbage. For those of you who don't know. <laughs> awful, awful running back. Um, I Not still good. want them to take a rookie. Savage. Maybe in the third round. Um, I still want that to happen. And I still think that Jordan Howard is going to find him in a big old Groundhog's Day mess of last year where he was on a team with a young incoming rookie, did very well for the first half of the season, had a injury, a rookie came in and stole that job from him. That's probably what's going to end up happening in Miami. So I'm not investing too highly in Jordan Howard. I do have him on a couple rosters and I'm holding uh, because I think that he's going to start the year in a good position. And if he takes a stranglehold on it and the rookie can't step up and, and prove to just take the job over, then yeah, I agree with you. I think that he's anywhere from 25 to 30 in terms of running back ranks going forward. That's fair. I think I'll be on the flex radar for most of the season. Yeah. yeah. But if a rookie lands there who's more talented and wins out, then yes, it would make sense for them to move on and really give the touches to that rookie, a la Miles Sanders, like John's alluding to, with the Philadelphia Eagles of last year. So it's encouraging for, for Jordan Howard. I mean, what they're doing in Miami is awesome. They are winning mm -hmm. free agency, and they are making yeah. big-time signings that are going to help them this year. So it's... You know, last year we were like, oh, they're tanking, like no doubt about it. This season, I don't know if that's the case. They have players in-house that can help them win right now. Do I think they're a playoff contender? Maybe not, but I think they are two-ish years away from being a legit franchise if they can get a quarterback to run the ship. So I like what they're doing a lot there down in Miami. Okada, go ahead. Uh, I know that we're desperate to return to Tom Brady talk, so... I just have to make a quick note. Oh, it's God. actually not about Tom Brady. It's about Jameis Winston. I feel like we should have mentioned that Jameis Winston is a free agent and the Patriots need a quarterback. And I seem to recall mentioning at some point, I don't remember if it was on the pod or on Twitter, that that would be one I would be very interested to see would be Jameis Winston to the Patriots. So I think we talked about what are the Patriots are going to do. That is still an option. I think Jameis Winston has a chance to be a franchise quarterback. But you might be able to get him for cheaper than, obviously, like a Dak Prescott went for or a Kirk Cousins. Could be a win for the Patriots. That's so all I can say about that. So here's the deal, Okada. I'm gonna I'm going to step away from the camera for approximately two minutes. And I would uh -oh. like you to go on a gigantic diatribe <laughs> about why Jameis Winston makes sense in New England, okay? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, go. Well, first of all, he has his <laughs> eyeballs back. So that's a good start. <laughs> Hashtag LASIK can surgery. see. Listen. I wanted, I kind of wanted uh, the Patriots to go out and get Marcus Mariota because I believe that Belichick believes that he can take a guy that maybe everyone else has given up on, but who he knows has upside, and turn them into a, another six Super Bowls or whatever. This guy, Marcus Mariota, signed with the Raiders. Who knows why? But yeah. Winston is as close to Mariota as you can get, considering they were picked one spot apart. They've had sim uh, not I guess not two similar careers, but somewhat similar in the case that they have not lived up to what they were supposed to for slightly different reasons. But I think that Jameis Winston is a guy who, under Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest coach of all time in this sport, if not any, could learn how to actually play quarterback without throwing an interception every five passes. 
And if he does that with his arm talent, we're talking Maybe. about a guy. We're talking about a guy bets who could throw five thousand yards and forty touchdowns, and not thirty interceptions, and take this team back to a Super Bowl. Yes, it's perfectly possible. timed. Thank you. I mean, we're talking about potential range of outcomes, and it's there. But if you're telling me if I have to choose one side of that argument versus the other, I say probably not. I mean, probably not Jameis to the Pats, or probably not Jameis is the franchise quarterback. Probably not probably forty not. twenty. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, we're back to that. Sheesh. No, I, <laughs> listeners, if you missed it, you're we're referencing a a previous podcast where Okada said forty touchdowns, twenty interceptions is possible. John Big said, facts. "You idiot, no possible way." I said, <laughs> uh, "36, 24. So this is actually really I, typical. Okada and I juxtaposed, yeah, and Bet's playing I'm the Switzerland and, yep. and sitting in the middle. <laughs> I love it. But for for Jameis, like. I think he does need the coaching to get him there. No doubt yeah, about it. And is it going to be the Patriots? Maybe. And if there's an offensive staff that can do it, it is the Patriots. So I like that call from a what he needs perspective in the NFL. But I don't know that he is. I don't know that he is the type of player that can make those changes. We haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's possible. But am I going to bet that way? No, probably not. Yeah, yeah we'll I, see what I happens. Mean, I agree. He had turnover problems in college. And that's the thing. We've been seeing this trend lately where people have high turnover rates in college and people think that they're going to come into the NFL and suddenly fix that. And it just is not proving to be the case. Sometimes you get a unicorn like Mahomes where, yes, it happens. But he was this way in college. He's this way coming in. He's shown it over... Has it been five years already that he's been in the league? Winston? Yeah, I, I think, think it's so. been five. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. surprising, man. That went fast. Time flies. It goes so. It quick. feels like less because he hasn't played all the games because he keeps getting benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Fitz magic. Boom, roasted. Love it. Um, yeah, I just that's my concern. Yes, could potentially Belichick and coaching staff knock down the turnovers a little bit. Yes, but I don't know. I kind of think we've just seen what we're going to see out of Jameis. I think we've seen his ceiling. I think he's just an absolute gunslinger that's going to launch it all over the field. Touchdowns to interception ratio be damned. It doesn't matter. He's just going to throw it. One thing we know is he's gold for fantasy. So Oh, yeah. Great. Wherever he signs, I mean, the wide receivers, we have to talk about when that happens. We're going to mm -hmm. find out pretty soon where that is. But, guys, we got to move on to another signing here, and it's not that inspiring. I mean, let's talk about the Raiders. They did sign Marcus Mariota, like uh, Okada said. They also signed Jason Witten. I mean, both are Woo. lame signings. They're not fun. They're boring. Huzzah. But let's talk about the fallout. Is Derek Carr going to get challenged by Mariota? What do you guys think? Uh, <laughs> the answer is no. Yes. He's going <laughs> to get challenged. He's going to get challenged because Mariota can be better than Derek Carr he can be better now it would take a lot for him to actually live up to that potential uh for one thing getting over whatever bout of strange nerve problems and lack of fingers and all these other injuries he's dealt with he needs to be healthy but if he's healthy I think he's pretty similar to Derek Carr and certainly has the upside to be better 
So I don't think he's necessarily going to take the job, but I do think he gives Derek Carr a little bit of a challenge, and maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, I think so. I think it's good to challenge him. I think Derek Carr is kind of underrated, honestly. Like, is he a great passing quarterback? No, probably no. not. Is he an elite game manager the way Tom Brady is? No, he's not. But he's a good enough quarterback that in a system that you have enough pieces around him and a defense that's good enough to support him, he can succeed in the NFL. So that's, that's the question mark for me is do they build up the defense enough? Do they have enough weapons? I think we're going to find out because right now they don't. But everyone mocks Jerry Judy. Everyone mocks CeeDee Lamb to the Raiders. So that's really encouraging for the quarterbacks there, whoever it is as a starter. Let's talk about the pass catchers because Jason Witten, he ain't it. And I don't know why they <laughs> they signed him. Maybe it's I a think leadership they're just hiring trying him to get to be the Monday Night Football crew together. Yes, they got John Gruden. They're getting Jason Witten. <laughs> they got the blade hands back together with, with oh, Jason yep. Witten. Um, you know, I had a, a listener uh, reach out to me on Twitter today and ask, "Does this affect Darren Waller in a negative way?" Hell no. Nah. No, <laughs> this is no <laughs> effect on Darren Waller. That's how I feel. Are you guys with me on that, or you feel differently? What are your thoughts? I'm with you on it, and I posted the same thing. As soon as I saw the Jason Witten, I was like, is Darren Waller not a thing? Like, why are you bringing it? You have Foster Moreau behind him already. Are you literally just paying Jason Witten to be a position coach? Like, is that is that the job? Like, is that the contract you're giving him to come yes. in and literally train these young kids? Probably. That's probably yes. exactly what's happening. So, Darren Waller is still fine he's still great he had an awesome year last year foster moreau i still like a lot as a prospect jason witten is not going to contribute buckus I, I don't care about it um you know going back to the Derek carr situation do you want a perfect comp for Derek carr to the 2020 rookie draft class i do it was it's jake Fromm. that is exactly mm. what Derek carr is indeed smart Knows the game, very, very competitive, not a great natural thrower of the ball. Like, we're going to have these same conversations about Jake Fromm in a couple years where he's going to go out there. He's probably going to put up fine numbers. It'll be okay. He'll probably be a quarterback two on Dynasty, you know, Superflex radars, stuff like that. In a system that has a great defense, he'll probably do just fine. But he and Derek Carr are going to get the same level of flack all the time because they're not that super crazy athletic over the top natural thrower of the ball. They don't have the rocket arms. They're not the fastest. They're not those guys. They don't have anything that they're elite at doing like in any category, but they know the game of football. They're very competitive. They work very hard and they care deeply about winning. They're the same person. Like that's, that's who Jake Fromm is. Now, John, I got to ask this question. Do you know in the off-season programs, does John, uh, sorry, Jake Fromm, does he roll up his sleeves in practice? Because that would be a huge differentiator <laughs> Ooh, between the two. Does he oil, oil his guns, up. baby? That's we got to get the baby oil, oil on those. I have no Ugh, idea. That pisses me off. I don't know why. It just makes me so upset. Um, all right, Knock fellas, on let's move on. Yeah, fair enough. Good point. <laughs> let's move on from that situation. We haven't actually talked about this yet, which is kind of crazy because it was the biggest news from the past two days now john and i talked about it with the patreon crew oh let okada. i need okada to take 10 minutes on this just yes i mean <laughs> kyler murray what are you talking about okay for the listeners if somehow you didn't catch it deandre hopkins got dealt 
from the Texans to the Cardinals mm. for mm. literally a chocolate bar in return. Preach! Not great, David Bob. Johnson and a handful of picks. <laughs> I mean, Okada, talk to me. What are, what are you feeling? Uh, first of all, I'm feeling very sad for Houston Texans fans. Oh everywhere. man, no kidding. Because they have been unfortunately stuck with Bill O'Brien as their general manager, quote unquote, uh, while he tries to also head coach, and he has single-handedly turned what could have been the favorite of the AFC South by this point, if not last year, should have been. Yes, into a laughing stock. That has traded away everything and then some for nothing and then none. Um, it is rough for them. It is rough for Deshaun Watson, who it was on pace to be, you know, alongside Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson for the faces of the NFL, the quarterback position for the next 10 years, and now went from having arguably the best hands receiver, one of the best uh, jump ball receivers and uh, certainly one of the top five best receivers period in the NFL to having Kenny Stills. Um, yes, Kenny Stills and uh, probably seven games of Will Fuller per season. Kiki, Kuti. it's really rough. It is doo doo for them. Fortunately for us and specifically me, the flip side of this deal is that Kyler Murray gets DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. Oh man. Oh my heavens, was this, this came, I wish this had come today after the Tom Brady news, because oh, that it may have single-handedly, yes, made my birthday, fixed the destruction of Tom Brady leaving. I am so excited for Kyler Murray. As you all know, I am obsessed with Kyler Murray. I love him uh, in an inordinate amount, uh, regardless of who his pass catchers are, but he now has DeAndre Hopkins. He has an up-and-coming Christian Kirk. He has a Kenyon Drake that is uh, quite capable catching balls out of the backfield. Yep. And uh, honestly looked great rushing in that offense as well, which opens things up. He has Cliff Kingsbury as his head coach, who regardless of whether or not he gets a team and he wins, is going to get the offense yards. And I think that will turn into touchdowns. And they still have the eighth overall pick. Which means they're either getting an elite tackle or an elite wide receiver, a.k.a. C.D. Lamb, which would make this suddenly one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. Yes, John. That's what I wanted to say. We've been talking okay, about C.D. Lamb going to Arizona. What if this happens? How great would that be? Guess what? Oh it can gosh. still happen with yes. DeAndre Hopkins as the one. That would be absurd, and it still makes sense. Because Cliff Kingsbury wants to run the four wide. That's his yes. offense. That's what it's predicated on. Yes, he on. does. So if you have DeAndre Hopkins on one side, CeeDee Lamb on the other, Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk working the middle, the inside, oh my goodness. That would just be terrifying to me as a Seahawks fan. Absolutely thrilling as a fantasy football enthusiast. I... I it could still happen. Now, a lot of the mocks that we're seeing after the trade took place yesterday, everyone kind of took the eraser to C.D. Lamb and put in, like, Wilfs or Becton, you know, an elite tackle prospect coming in. For real-life football, that makes a lot of sense. Should they do that? Yes, absolutely. I think they should. You're good at wide receiver now. Like, I get it. 
they should address the offensive line. It will help the running game. It'll help Kyler Murray have time, all that. But it is still so fun to think about the pos- the possibility of CeeDee Lamb ending up opposite of DeAndre Hopkins, who was like his main comp coming into the league. It would be unreal. Uh, and, of course, it is worth mentioning that that second-round pick, which was really the main compensation, is the eighth pick in the second round, 40th overall. That is a valuable pick. It's a good pick. And they don't have that to go put towards an offensive lineman. So right. if they skip offensive line to get C.D. Lamb you ain't or whoever one. else, they ain't getting a starting offensive lineman. And yeah, it's, it's, whether or not it works, I hope it happens. Oh, my God. Like, if that happens, I... I don't even know. I think he like, might my jump pants are off. My rankings. I, if that I'm happens. not even that huge of a Kyler Murray fan, but at that point, like, holy crap, I, you know it. So let's break this down from a real life NFL perspective. That is the move they should make. They should draft an offensive lineman. Yes. For fantasy and for this podcast, <laughs> we need yeah. Ceedee Lamb to Arizona. Got If if you're telling me Kyler Murray gets Ceedee Lamb outside with DeAndre Hopkins on the other side and Christian yep. Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald in the middle. I mean, Kyler Murray in redraft leagues, let's put a number on it, guys. Over, under, quarterback, four on the season. John, you first. Over as in worse than? Over as in five or worse. Okay. If he gets CeeDee Lamb in redraft? And DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. He was quarterback eight as a rookie last season. God, <laughs> man. That is <laughs> and if really, you're if you're watching really live, tough. please give us a comment here in the live chat. Um, that's really tough for me. If that happens, gosh, I might have him at three. I <laughs> it might happen. It's so hard for me because the only other person that I would consider right there would be Russell Wilson with DeAndre or with Deshaun Watson losing DeAndre Hopkins. But because of system because of what Kingsbury wants to do in operating a four wide with those weapons instead of I love my Seahawks but instead of their freaking archaic offense I would probably give it run the ball. Oh my gosh, run run pass, run run pass, run run pass. It, it drives me up the wall especially when they don't have a freaking running back and you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Let's just throw, let Russ cook, please. Anyways, diatribe aside, I'd probably put Kyler Murray at three and redraft. I'd right. probably put him at three in dynasty as well because of his youth and upside. Uh, it's spicy. Without CD Lamb, I'm still going to give the slightest of edge to Russell Wilson. CD Lamb would push it over the top for me in terms of the ceiling for especially because of the yards after the catch you think about all the stats that cd lamb can pad on to kyler murray by taking an eight yard slant 80 yards to the house like those are the kind of things that are going to elevate him to another level so i would probably if he gets cd lamb and nuke can do the same thing but cd just elevates it even more i'd probably give the edge to kyler murray all right wakata birthday boy you're up if kyler murray does not get cd lamb he is the quarterback three in redraft. 
and Dynasty. Oh, baby. If he gets CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> okay. And we lost John. He is off the podcast. If he gets CeeDee Lamb, I think I would have him at two you above Lamar Jackson. You bite your tongue. Here's the thing. Okay, and I will qualify it this way. It, it would also depend on what the Ravens do as far as what adding weaponry, but they have not done anything yet. They have done diddly squat. And They've the Cardinals went out and got DeAndre Hopkins. So, Kyler Murray <laughs> is a better passer than Lamar Jackson. Can it's I say fair. that without getting any sass? Okay. Yeah. He is not a better runner because no one is at any position in the NFL. Lamar Jackson is a running is, back. Yes. Lamar Jackson, RB1. Close, yeah. He is arguably as close as it gets right now. And he is good enough for fantasy to be extremely elite because of his rushing ability as well. So you take those things, you add a, what, five times better receiving core at that point if he gets CeeDee Lamb and the Ravens haven't gotten anything? Maybe more than that, ten times better? I don't know what the yeah, valuation ten. is here, but I I, I, it, I don't know what to tell you guys. He, I think he would drop Lamar in my dynasty and redraft rankings at that point. And to be fair, like, you know, Lamar is great for what he does for fantasy. He is great. He is elite for fantasy. There is no question about it. But regression happens. We see it every always. single year. It always happens. Facts. This is why we told you last year, don't draft Pat Mahomes at his current ADP. It just won't work out. And we're going to tell you in three months, don't draft uh, Lamar Jackson at his current ADP. It won't work out. Don't but for Kyler Murray, it the arrow is pointing up, and it is way up. And if you're telling me if I have a choice at Kyler's ADP, which will probably be the fourth or fifth round, honestly, with the hype. Like, it'll, it'll in, go up there. In Dynasty Superflex Startup? Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. In Redraft. Okay. In Redraft, it'll be probably third, fourth, fifth, maybe somewhere in that range. And Lamar is going to be in your home leagues at the second round. Like, give me Kyler all day. Could easily no doubt be at about first it. in home leagues. Oh, yeah. Lamar, yeah. for sure. to go where Mahomes went last year, yeah. So, in that scenario, yeah, give me Kyler. Like... The mm -hmm. offense, the youth, the mobility, the weapons. I mean, quarterback eight as a rookie. And mm. with Larry Fitzgerald, who is the one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Yeah. Love the guy. But at this stage of his career, I mean, he's he's not what he was. And now you get DeAndre Hopkins, potentially CeeDee Lamb. There's a lot to love about Kyler Murray. And as I've said for three straight podcasts, Please watch on the Arizona Cardinals YouTube channel the growth of Kyler Murray. It is obvious. It is evident. It is infectious in terms of what he has learned as a quarterback at the next level. I might surpass Okada in my love for this guy. I mean, I'm in. I'm in That's on the kid. Cool. He is. Yeah, it's it's possible. Uh, he is the future of the NFL at the quarterback position. The kid is very, 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 very good. So it's encouraging to see. We'll see what happens there with the Can Arizona Can I just Cardinals. say before we get off that topic real quick? The expanded playoff format, we're going to have three NFC West teams in the playoffs. Oh, that's very possible. That's for sure. Yeah. That division yeah. is sick. It's, it's sick. It's going to be so fun in this new expanded facts. format. It's going to be fun when the Seahawks don't make it. Moving on. Oh. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Just kidding. When Russ is your quarterback, you always have a chance. And exactly I'm going to say that right. a ton on this podcast. Yep. Let Russ cook. Uh, next on the list here of our free agent frenzy, I mean, this this show doc is unreal. 
Austin Hooper signs a four-year, $42 million deal with the Cleveland Browns. Guys, I put an article out on the website today, RetroFantasyFootball.com, about my thoughts on this topic. So I'm going to leave the show and the podcast up to you guys. My initial thoughts, mostly a lateral move, maybe a small decrease in value for Austin Hooper. What are your guys' thoughts here on the signing for Cleveland? Um, it's pretty lateral. I mean, if you talk about a target perspective, both volume and quality of targets, it's it's almost the exact same situations. You go from Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley to Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. You go from Matt Ryan to Baker Mayfield, arguably a, a, a decent downgrade there. Matt Ryan, obviously very good at producing wide receiver value in fantasy. Baker Mayfield, nah. We'll see. Great. We'll see. Uh, Jarvis Landry had a great year last year, so one of his best for fantasy. So maybe he's all right. But yeah, so from those from those two perspectives, I don't think it means too much. I think I would have preferred him a little bit in the the Falcon system just because I know him there. It probably will knock him down a little bit, but very little to minimal. Uh, unlikely to really change where he falls in the tight end rankings. Even it might just change where he falls in overall rankings or where I would take him in a draft. Um, I will say, John, I feel like this is one of the closest we got with our stupid 32-team free agent and rookie mock draft because we had Hunter Henry coming to the Browns, yep. which is just about as close as you can get to this. Yep. Um, and all the other exciting things we did, the stupid teams just went and re-signed <laughs> guys to the same team. So uh, pro- half props to us on that. But That was fun. Yeah, I think it's pretty lateral. Yeah, Um my concern is Jameis Winston. I know we're not talking about Jameis. Jameis, for whatever reason, hates tight ends. Like, he mm. can't find O.J. Howard. Is Baker mm. Mayfield that way, too? Mm. Does Baker just not no, have not. eyes? Okay. Interesting. But, no, he's not. I, I put this in the article, and, you know, for the listeners, Ooh. I encourage you to read the full breakdown. But I believe off the top of my head, I'm not looking at my article right now. So I think it's 17 of his 49 career touchdown passes have gone to a tight end, which you might think is not that much, but from a percentage perspective is a decent amount. And it's not just because we haven't seen David and Joku live up to the hype. I mean, you're looking at guys like Ricky Seals Jones and um, previously from two years ago, I believe it was Darren Fells, if I remember off the top of my head. Maybe that's yeah, not the right, right name. It's it was a it was a depth piece. But basically, it he gets the job done when he targets the tight end. And two years ago, he almost totaled a thousand yards just to the tight end position. Again, not David Njoku, the tight end position as a whole on the Browns depth chart. So I mean, in that aspect, Baker does target his tight ends if given the opportunity and given the talent. Okay. Um all right, I'm for that. And also... Boom, roasted. No, not roasted. <laughs> this is educational. That's good. That's good information. Coming with Stefanski, and this is something that you and I talked about mm. last night, right? Was that yeah. Stefanski, coming from Minnesota, ran the 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends all the time. That was his bread yes. and butter. That's what he and effectively. loves. Very effectively. That's what he loves to do. Going out and getting Austin Hooper was a Stefanski move. This was him getting a guy that fits his scheme very well. One thing that Betts and I talked about last night, if you want to hear this all in detail, go get on our Patreon. Extra podcasts available to you, more in-depth analysis. It's great. Join us. 
everything that goes into the Patreon gets reinvested back into the show and giving you guys the best product that we can. Um, how about that Slack channel, though? How about that Slack channel you get access mm. to? Oh. Yeah, we're in there all Popping. the time, just about every day, um, answering questions, you know, stuff like that. Feel free. Um, this was a Stefanski move to go out and get a, a stud tight end. I don't think that Njoku is going anywhere. I think that he's staying put and that you're going to see 12 personnel with both tight ends on the field. Now, one thing that I did talk about is that I'm concerned about the running back position in this system because you're going to have both Chubb and Hunt because they put a second-round tender on Kareem Hunt. There is not room for both people on the field in 12 personnel. You're Mm. going to have Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Austin Hooper, and then fill in the blanket running back. You don't have room for both on the field at the same time. I think that their combined touches is going like combined as a whole, the running back position is going to perform very, very well. I don't know that either one of them is going to get enough work to put up truly elite top tier numbers at the running back position in that system. But going back to Hooper, this fits Stefanski's scheme very well. He's going to be the tight end one in that system to Njoku being a tight end two. Um, I like it. I think the scheme fits very, very well. I'm very curious to see how Baker adapts to this scheme, to that kind of that play calling, that design, that personnel on the field at the same time. So um, I feel like it's a lateral move. I don't go, yes, Austin Hooper's the tight end one. Like it's not an uptick for him. He was already the freaking tight end one last year. He's still going to maintain top five tight end value in the move. I think he's pretty much right where he was beforehand for me in my rankings. Yep. I think that's fair. I just pulled up the article so I could I could speak to the actual numbers. 2018, when targeting the tight end position, Baker's stat line is as follows. 64 receptions, 782 yards, 8 touchdowns on 94 targets. Last season, 39 receptions, 470 yards, 9 touchdowns. So he does get touchdowns out of the tight end position. Is it going to be David Njoku? Is it going to be Austin Hooper? I think it's going to be a a week-to-week situation that, you know, starting one guy, you're going to be probably disappointed when the other one catches the touchdown. So it's tough to to talk about it from a week-to-week perspective, but I think both guys are going to be relevant for fantasy on a given week. You just won't know who to start. So I I agree with John with what he's saying as far as the 12 personnel, two tight ends. I think we'll see a lot of that in Cleveland this year. Tough for Austin Hooper because you know the the scenarios out there were Patriots the tight end the guy Mm. you know moving on to another situation where he could be the guy potentially Green Green Bay Bay. the guy like you know so it just kind of halts his progress as a fantasy asset but a good player and obviously a good pass catcher so good news for Baker I think in that situation where he does target the tight end and good could be a good player here moving forward uh, for Dynasty and for Fantasy, obviously. Uh, I'm not sure where you're planning on going, Bets, but since we're on the Browns, I don't suppose we could quickly touch on the Kareem Hunt tender, which is probably an underrated thing in a lot of reactions. Yeah, go for it. Let's do stuff. it. Let's do it. Yeah, so the fact that, and it's a lot of weird gobbledygook about what it does, but the fact that the Browns want to keep Kareem Hunt around, essentially, I think is dangerous for Nick Chubb. 
I think it is troubling for Nick Chubb. Um, I, I was in the camp, and I bet I can't remember if you were on my camp or not at the start of last year. I don't think you were. Uh, maybe you can correct me. That was saying, when Kareem Hunt comes back, it is going to affect Nick Chubb quite a bit, enough that it should affect draft rankings a little bit. And it did. It did. It did. Um, I, I have a tweet, which I will credit Michelle Majuk for, oh, that just good popped up on my timeline. Yeah, who uses uh, the Rotoviz splits, very powerful tool, to provide this information about Hashtag Kareem not a sponsor. Hunt, at True, and <laughs> Nick Chubb. Not paid content. Without Kareem Hunt last year, his, R, his pace was RB4 in points per game. With Kareem Hunt, his pace was RB22 Yikes! in points per game. He averaged Is almost seven more <laughs> not good, fantasy points not per good, game not when Kareem Hunt was out. It is not good. Kareem Hunt is such a good running back and a very versatile oh. one, more versatile than Nick Chubb, who is fine in the passing game, but not like Kareem Hunt. Yep. It is not a good thing for Nick Chubb's fantasy value in redraft or in dynasty. Now, does it tank him? Does it take him out of the RB1 conversation? Not necessarily, but I will throw a question to John, who has his hand raised. What do you have to say? I have a question for you. Oh, it's right back. This yes. is a question for you. Can you explain <laughs> what a tender does? Oh, gosh. Roughly? Um, Not well. Mr. NFL Network, come on. Yeah, I, I could figure it out for you and give you good information. I'll tell you what. You guys tell me your opinion, and I will get it pulled up so I don't say something wrong. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar camp. Even in a more progressive offense that uses two running backs on the field at the same time um, where you could see potentially Kareem Hunt lined up in the slot where Nick Chubb's in the backfield that causes some Mitch Mazes for defense they don't know necessarily what's coming is this a run play pass play we're not entirely sure I would still have concerns based on the numbers from last year about Chubb's production with Hunt back in the system especially going into a system that Stefanski runs where it's one running back on the field at, at the same time. He was Minnesota last year. Did Dalvin cook have another running back on the field with him other than a fullback? Did he have an, another halfback on the field with him like ever? No, he didn't. It was him on the field with Thielen on one side digs on the other. Um, Irv Smith Jr. and Kyle Rudolph. That was the personnel package that you saw all the time. That's what we are going to see a majority of the time in Cleveland unless Stefanski decides to completely scrap his philosophy and build an entire offensive system from the ground up, which is a very, very hard thing to do. Which he probably won't. Yeah, he's not going to. It's not not likely. So Uh, I'm concerned. So, to give you the info, which I confirmed with myself, uh, Kareem Hunt's numbers, which is what I wanted to know. <laughs> which I confirmed uh, with yes. myself. With myself. So, Hunt is a restricted free agent, which is different from an unrestricted free agent, which is what most of these guys are, where they are literally free to sign with anyone, in the sense that if the Browns want to, which in this case they have, they can tender him with a second-round pick, which essentially means he is able to go and sign with someone else, but if that team signs him, besides paying him the money they have to pay him, they also have to give a second round pick to the Browns. The Browns get a second round pick. Right. Which is not insignificant 
at all. That's it expensive. Basically means, yeah, it basically means you're not going anywhere because the team that wants him has to want him bad enough to pay him a pretty good salary considering his talent level and give up a second round pick. Yeah, it's very expensive. So, yeah, so he stays on contract in this situation for three point three-ish million dollars for the Browns this Which next year. Which is dirt cheap for the talent yes, level that he provides. Absolutely. Less than half of what he's worth. That's half and of then Eckler, next year, by the way. Exactly. Who And Kareem Hunt is better, and I love Eckler, but Kareem Hunt yeah. is a better running back. He is. All around. Uh, so, 2021, he'll become an unrestricted free agent. So, the, the dynasty effect on Nick Chubb is potentially much lower because it's probably less likely that they'll pay Hunt in 2021, although it still might be possible because I believe Nick Chubb will still be on his rookie deal, which he'll means have he'll one be year relatively left. cheap. He'll have one yeah. year left. Yep. So maybe they'll do a little thing there. Uh, we'll have to see. But certainly for redraft, it hurts, and even for Dynasty, it does hurt a little bit. And that's my point. This is what what's concerning to me, is that going into this offseason, I did not expect Cleveland to tender Kareem Hunt. I didn't think they would do that. And I thought that we would see Kareem Hunt potentially be one of those guys that could go out and land a bell cow job. I thought he could go to Atlanta. I thought he could go to Tampa Bay. Uh, there's a number of areas. I thought he could go Houston. to in Indy, Houston. There's all kinds of opportunities. I thought that I would see him do that. Um, so for him to be tendered, all that this does is it lowers the ceiling for both of them. They could both be RB1s if they were in RB1 systems. But if mm. they're on the same team, I don't know that Chubb cracks the top 12. We see about, like, what, 40% of running backs year over year that were a top 12 don't finish as a top 12 the next year. It's always rotating. There's some guys going in and out every single season. If Hunt is in the picture, I don't know that Chubb finishes as a top 12 running back next year. I mean, the RB, the pace of RB22 certainly supports that fact. And that's that's bad, by the way. Like, yeah, the gap is bad enough, but RB twenty two is not a top five round running back. Oh, that's around probably. seven, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's a mid rounder. And this is a guy where we were talking about being a first rounder. Yeah, or we would be talking about as a first rounder if Hunt was not there. Yeah, and to speak Correct, to right. the whole situation, you know, it last year was totally different. Cream Hunt was on the roster, quote unquote. But there was an eight-game suspension, and mm -hmm. there was a core muscle repair surgery. Mm. So last year, my situation was in redraft, you have to play for now. That's what Okada and I talked about. You have to play for now in the draft. You can't worry about what happens in literally eight weeks, two months. You have to play for what happens in the next month because there's so much fluidity in the NFL. Things change like literally on the next day. So... In last year's scenario, I was in on Nick Chubb because he's a great running back. Same. It was a very good system. It was a projected good offense. But in this like this season, Kareem Hunt has no off-the-field suspension concerns. There's no injury concern as of now. Things always change. But as of now, it's just different. And you're telling me that that split is that obvious? I will fade Nick Chubb this year in redraft. I will. Because of how good Kareem Hunt is as a talent because of how much he was used in the system. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. So, yes, Nick Chubb is a great running back. Yes, Nick Chubb is a dynasty asset. But in redraft, I think we all agree he's probably a fade. And I think our redraft ranks will, will reflect that. Of course, those will come out as the summer goes on. But it is a very, very intri intriguing and interesting situation, no doubt about it, for the Cleveland Browns. Where I was going to go, Okada, before you 
very rudely interrupted me. Oh, no, just kidding. not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Uh, was to another tight end who is so intriguing, so talented at this stage of his oh, career. Gosh. It's Jimmy Graham. Oh, God. oh no. <laughs> Jimmy Graham to the Chicago Bears on a two-year deal. I mean, what are you doing, Chicago? I do not know. What was the number? Does anyone know? Okada that you and I talked about earlier was a seven or nine? Nine. They have nine tight ends on roster. Nine. Unreal. And incredibly, of those nine, zero are good at football. None at this point in (laughs) their career. Trey Burton is good. Is he healthy? No. Is he good? Yes. Mm. I mean, he did catch that touchdown in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Oh. <laughs> Boom roasted. <laughs> Thrown by yeah. That's um, not important. <laughs> listen. It's you no. Know, no thank you. I will have no part of this. Jimmy Graham is out of my tight end draft perspective. Yep. Uh I do not want him on a train. I do not want him on a plane. I do not want him in the twelfth round, which is not where he'll be going. Get him out of my face. Here's the thing. Someone, listeners, this is a PSA. Someone in your league is going to take Jimmy Graham on name value alone way too early. Way too early. Let them. If you're considering between Jimmy Graham and Dawson Knox in Dynasty, take Dawson Knox. If you're looking at Irv Smith Jr., take Irv Smith Jr. If you're looking Mm. at Mike Gusecki, take Mike Gusecki. All of those guys, I mean, someone is going to go, oh, it's Jimmy Graham, and maybe he'll give me one or two years of really good production before he retires. He won't. He's not going to give you production that is noticeably (laughs) different at all than any of those other guys. Go the youth movement. Take someone that's going to develop because tight ends do need to develop. It takes time. John W. Smith's probably going to go earlier just because of the situation. Now he's like, thrust into starting role ian thomas as well um there's a lot of young tight ends i've got one dynasty league with the deep bench that i literally have five tight ends year two or younger that i'm just going one or two of these guys is gonna pop eventually like they will develop in and become a, a viable starting tight end that's how it goes but it takes like three years for a tight end to step up like Dallas Godert. Godert, Godert, Godert. Godert. Thank you. I had to Godert. go through the accent in my head. Um, Dallas Godert. <laughs> it's funny because our, our previous bearded co-host, Kent, also said Godert. He always Godert. said I'm going to do it Godert. now just, just for fun. Godert. Um, huh. It's going to happen just for fun now. Godert is going to end up taking over in Philly, but a lot of times these young tight ends get logjammed behind someone else to starter that starter needs to kind of fade out or get traded or leave in free agency. And then the tight end has a couple years of experience under their belt and they pop like Goddard is like one year away from being like a top five tight end in the league. Like Irv Smith jr. Is one year away from being a top 12 guy. Mike Gusecki, if they get, if their offense starts cooking this year, if they go get Tua, Gusecki could pop and be a top 12 guy this year. Like there's so many young tight ends to put your money on instead of going with the aging hurt, like just lumbering. Like you thought Gronk was slow in his final year. Jimmy Graham is just like a falling tree off the line of scrimmage every single time. <laughs> so please do not take Jimmy Graham. I beg you. 
He does nothing for me. Take one of the 10 other young tight ends that could potentially develop. Yeah, it's like, let's be honest. We don't need to really spend a lot of time on this. Jimmy Graham is, he was a great asset for fantasy. He was with Drew Brees in, in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Uh, certainly times have changed. Yeah, don't draft him in, in redraft. No doubt about it. Last player, I think, guys, on our list. I think we covered every single player on this list except for A.J. Green, mm. which is really intriguing. I am going to let you guys talk about the depth chart and his value. I'm going to talk about injury when I get back. I'm going to take a brief pause in the podcast. <laughs> guys, A.J. Green signs, or I doesn't say signs, gets a, um, Tags. a tag, a franchise tag, thank you, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Go ahead. Well... Uh, as the resident Tyler Boyd truther, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I I like it. I like another year of AJ Green here, um, and still a potential to sign him to a contract after that. We'll see. Uh, I think it might depend a lot on how well he gels with a certain rookie quarterback that they are going to draft. Uh, but I, Tyler Boyd has been very good with AJ Green on the field. I think it is helpful to him to have a dominant guy across. Yep. Uh, now. To be fair, he has to actually play football in order to be useful to the Bengals or Tyler Boyd or my fantasy team. Correct. And that is not something he's done very much of lately. Uh, nine games he's played in the last two years total, I believe. None last year. So he needs to get healthy. Uh, Betts would give us a lot of good information on that if he hadn't gone to a potty break. But he has also <laughs> given us lots of good information before. So if you haven't heard, go back and listen to some of our previous podcasts, including, I believe, the free agency preview podcast. We talked a little bit about A.J. Green. But if, John, we see good reports in camp, assuming there is camp. Yeah, that's a, yeah. If we see good injury reports, and it sounds like he is trending towards being a week one starter, and Joe Burrow is the quarterback, or Tua, just to say they go crazy and draft Chase Young for some inexplicable reason. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, is he a wide receiver too? I have a really hard time with that. I I'm, lots of thinky faces coming. There's a lot of right thinking now. faces. It's really challenging to me because I don't know what AJ Green we're gonna get. I, he's such a wild card to me because of the amount True. of time that he's missed from injuries. He could be healthy, but is he still the same wide receiver? Like three years ago, he was cooking. He was doing great. He was, like, on pace for top five at the position before he got hurt, I think, if I remember right. If we get that A.J. Green back with Joe Burrow and with other weapons around to open up and Joe Mixon and improved offensive line, like, yeah, it's possible. The The range of outcomes with A.J. Green Ooh. is wider than anyone. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking before I say it, but it's wider than any other wide receiver in the NFL. Like 100%. He could be a top 5 wide receiver potentially. He legitimately could be the number 1. There's it's possible. a world in which AJ Green is the number 1 fantasy receiver. I I yeah, it could happen. Or he could be 45. He could play enough. He like, could play zero games. Yeah, it, I, the range of outcomes with AJ Green is so wide and I'm very curious to see where his ADP kind of settles in at. Like where are you going to mm. be able to get him? Because if the price tag on him is third round, I don't want it. It's it's too expensive for me. It's too risky for me. If his ADP settles in later and I can draft him as my two or my three, absolutely I'm smashing that all day long. I'll take that risk. But I'm not going to draft him to be a wide receiver one. I, I can't do it. 
because the risk is so big. I don't know if he's going to hold out. I don't know if he's going to be injured going into camp, if there is camp. That's another thing. If we we get either no camp or shortened camp because of everything going on with coronavirus, and I don't want to dwell on that, but it's possible. And and right now, all off-season team activities are postponed indefinitely. So if we don't get a camp, we don't get to see him run. We have no injury report. We have nothing. You're literally flying blind on AJ Green. I don't want it. If we get some actual camp, and yes, he's doing well, and he's running full speed, and, and he's not showing any ill signs, and he looks fast, and, and all that, and Joe Burrow hit him for a 40-yard one-handed catch on the sideline in shorts, like, maybe. Like, okay, great. Maybe I'd consider drafting him as my wide receiver, too. But that is the highest I'm going to draft him because of the risk. I will also say, uh, and uh, like you mentioned, we're, we're not trying to dwell on the coronavirus situation, but it does affect this sport less than nearly every other major sport because all of their seasons are canceled and yep. the NFL season is over. However, if this does extend into the early summer, it is going to have a large effect on a lot of situations for the upcoming season for fantasy. So you just need to be aware of that. And uh, from, I mean, in a very quick lick the thumb, stick it out, what do I sense in the wind reaction? I would say it hurts every rookie quarterback coming out of the draft that you might have otherwise wanted to put in as a fantasy starter. Absolutely. It hurts hurts every team that got a new free agent quarterback. So that's the Buccaneers with Tom Brady at this point. Um. And any other any other teams that moved a lot of pieces or got a lot of big uh, pieces in the draft that are crucial to your fantasy lineup, it is going to hurt all those things because all of those players need time to gel in these camps. That's what the camps are for. The rookie mini camps specifically start earlier in the year in the spring for that reason, so that they can start to learn offenses and get to know their players. This will have a legitimate impact on the fantasy season, even if everything is over with and the NFL season does not get postponed at all. So just keep that in mind if you're doing early dynasty drafts, which might be a bad idea, and things are looking bad from a coronavirus perspective. That is my coronavirus PSA for the day. I'm done. (laughs) Beth, how do you feel about AJ Green? (laughs) That's a great point, honestly. Like The fact that we have to talk about this, it sucks. It does. But it's real. And... For wide receivers with a rookie quarterback who presumably is going to be Joe Burrow, he is going to be the starter, it's a huge factor. And Joe Burrow is a great prospect. But in year one, the numbers historically, even with no crazy pandemic in the country, like they're down across the board. They are down with a rookie quarterback. So that alone is a huge concern. Now you throw this huge issue with coronavirus into the situation, it's a major concern for Joe Burrow. So I think that's a great point. But the other factor, and we'll talk about the health here with AJ Green, is that last year was not a fluke. People always say, was he holding out because he didn't want to play because he was injured because it was the Bengals? He was actually injured. I mean, you watch the videos of him doing his pregame workouts, and it doesn't take a rocket science, but if you have a little bit of experience with the the film analysis and with watching players move coming back from injury it does look different for AJ Green. He mean, he's not pushing off of his injured left ankle from late July, even in like November, October, 
you know, middle of the season, he had a cartilage injury inside the ankle joint, which takes forever to feel normal. So last year was legit for AJ Green. I don't fault the guy for not playing. He was hurt the entire season. It takes six months at least to feel normal from that surgery and that type of injury. So you're, you know, this, this year is different than last year. Entering week one, he is going to be at a much different place than he was last year at week one, like night and day. But there is concern about an overall health perspective. You're talking about a major hamstring injury from two and a half years ago. You're talking about a major toe surgery from last offseason. You're talking about a cartilage injury inside the opposite ankle. I mean, the signs are just not good for AJ Green. So do I love the player? Yes. Is he a phenomenal talent in the NFL? Yes, but if we're looking at a a logically calculated risk for injury, I'm going to recommend to fantasy players to fade A.J. Green because of the quarterback situation, because of his injury concerns. It's not good. It's not good for A.J. Green and his dynasty owners. Not great, Bob. That's where I'm at. Oh, guys, that was so much content in the last two hours. It was unreal. For our listeners on this podcast, if you're – if you're just catching this episode, we've talked about all of this in the same night uh, on our last podcast. So please check out both of them. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please follow us on Twitter at RichardsFFPod. Please follow John at JC Helmcamp. I'm sorry, JCW Helmcamp. Myself at the Fantasy PT. Okada is at Matt Okada. It is Okada's sweet 16 <laughs> birthday on this on this podcast. <laughs> Quinceanera! I would guarantee you he would love nothing more than for you to leave us a rating and review in your podcast mm. app. Please wish him a happy birthday. Guys, this was so much fun. Unreal. Crazy few days in the NFL. Anything else for the people before we get out of here? Uh, I have a I have a closing uh, point, Bets. It is not at all what you would guess. If you guessed 70 things, I guarantee you would not guess what it is. Here's what it is. The New York Jets have invested a lot into the offensive line in the past two days i mean george Fant. they have they have invested a lot of money into the offensive line now money, yes. whether or not whether or not that offensive line is going to be exceptionally good based on the players they sign yet to be seen however what it tells me is that they want to build a team that can actually block for Le'Veon bell and sam darnold maybe a little bit interesting for those players no. if you own them in dynasty no listen i, I am still on the sam darnold wagon um oh, i am okay. i am still like i still think that he's a good prospect i think that adam gase is atrocious and that that team has True. absolutely sucked but if you tell me that adam gase gets fired after this season and you get an actual coach in there uh, yeah sam darnold's still very young and very talented and has good natural abilities. I think that Sam Darnold is a fine dynasty project that I'm going to hold on to for a while. I think that's fair. Um, I'm out on skill players for Adam Gase. Until we see otherwise. I think Sam Darnold is a great prospect. I mean, he's still so, so young. Um, So, yes, dynasty long-term, I'm in. Short-term, Le'Veon Bell, I'm out. And let's not forget, Robbie Anderson is probably gone at some point, mm-hmm. maybe. Like, right now, legitimately, Jamison Crowder is the team's wide receiver one. So, Which, no as I've you. said many, many times, 
if you want 18 targets, 14 catches for 29 yards, Jamison Crowder's your guy. Yeah, that's it. That's it there. <laughs> well, let's let's close the show out, show out on a very positive note, obviously. <laughs> the Jets? <laughs> With the Jets. Um, only Okada will bring that up. Jets, Jets, Jets. Guys, what a podcast. What a live stream. What an evening on Okada's birthday, on St. Patrick's Day. So, so, so much fun. Guys, if you're listening and you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast app. It helps us out a ton. Patreon.com slash pod. If you want even more content and if you want to interact with us every single day at every hour, that's how you do it in the Slack channel. Bonus podcasts, off-season research projects, etc. So much information on there. Please check that out. Guys, we will be back soon enough. Until then, we are the Richards. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.